Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast, where you're going to hear inspirational stories from around the world. Now get ready to be inspired, uplifted, and leave with a positive attitude. Thank you for joining today to the Millennium Beat Podcast. I am your host, Kevin James. Today on the phone, we have Ryan Bastros. He's from Pennsylvania. He was only 11 years old when he came to know Jesus in a small church of God in Pennsylvania. He was 15 years old. He had the opportunity to preach his first message at his church during a youth-led service. He has been ministering the gospel across the United States. He has had the opportunity to travel internationally several times since 2014. He has served full-time at his home church for the past several years. He recently went through another transition in ministry. In April of 2018, he was obedient to God and stepped down from his position at the church in order to establish Wake Ministries. Ryan and his wife, Kirsten, have been married since April of 2015. Kirsten is currently the administrator for Wake Ministries. Her heart is to go to the nations, to love on the mamas and the children, and to experience different cultures while bringing the love of Jesus into these cultures. So today, I'd like you guys to give a big hand and a welcome to Ryan Bastros. My friend, thank you for having me. It's an honor. I appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule. I know that you just got back from a missions trip. And uh, let's talk a little yes, bit about sir. where and when you get to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And absolutely. Let's, uh, let me start out with uh, saying this. Um, you know, I didn't see then, but I definitely see now looking back over my life, uh, the constant, you know, pursuit um, of God and, and God's love pursuit for me. Um, I uh, actually uh, got saved or born again at the age of 11. And uh, it was so cool how God set that up, how God led me uh, to his arms. Um, and uh, it was because he was constantly pursuing our family in love uh, for years leading up to the time we embraced him. But uh, my mom uh, was with my brother's um, uh, father and uh, we didn't have like a washer and dryer, right? So here's a setup. We had to go to the laundromat. And so one time we went to the laundromat, we were were real young. And uh, there was a lady named Roxanne there who loved Jesus, spirit-filled, had two amazing daughters. And um, my mom and her started to spark a conversation that led to a very uh, in-depth friendship. And they uh, would do these laundromat dates where they would hang out and do laundry together because it gets pretty boring doing all these loads of laundry by yourself. So they would come together and hang out and Roxanne would start witnessing to my mom and uh, her girls would witness to me and my brother. And me and my brother were just running around the parking lot like crazy or in the laundromat like crazy. We didn't want to hear anything about that. Um, But one day my mom, um, you know, kind of broke. She was like, you know, I can't push this lady off. Um, and you know, any longer like she was, and uh, it was it was after you know several years of this lady really witnessing to my mom with the phone at the laundromat. So my mom broke down and went to, uh, to a church, a little church of God, right outside of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And she uh, ends up just getting rocked with just conviction and uh, uh, just the revelation of God's love and that Jesus died for her. So the next day, she met with the pastor, gave her life to Jesus, and now she starts the tag team with Roxanne and her daughters and witnessing to me and my brother and, and stuff. And um, one thing led to another that I end up going to church with her on a Wednesday night. The church was so small, they didn't have uh, a youth group. So we had to go in the nursery, me and this other girl. 
which was weird. And so we went into the nursery and this lady, you know, had to teach a lesson that the kids that were like five years old could understand, Mm -hmm. but she also had to keep it kind of relevant for us to understand. She talked about David and Goliath. And I think it was actually Davy and Goliath because we were in the nursery and so, you know, Davy sounds, I guess, nicer uh, for the nursery. So she talked about Davy and Goliath. And um, leading up to this time that I was in church and in the nursery hearing about David and Goliath, I was a boy full of fear, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and just uh, afraid of dying and terrified of my family dying, and just so oppressed and depressed and full of anxiety. Wow. And so when I listened to this message or this, this, this story about David and his faith and his boldness standing in front of Goliath, I'm like, wow, like God, like, was is awesome. Like he, I, cause like I always knew God was real. But I was like, man, God is like real. He was really real for David. And David was like powerful when he defeated like, you know, the Paul, the lion, the Paul, the bear, and then defeated Goliath. Like, I wonder if God could do that for me and I could overcome some of these things that I'm facing. And so that night I left there. So just, uh, encouraged and at peace and, and, and really feeling the love of God. So I really feel like that was my first encounter with the Holy Spirit. And it was like a, an encounter of liberty, an encounter of peace, and even a, like somewhat of a, like an encounter of conviction. And so that night I went and got the Stephen Curtis Chapman CD that I got the Christmas prior. Again, the constant pursuit of God, dropping those seeds. I took my children's Bible and just had a picture Bible at the time, went in a corner in my living room and listened to the Stephen Curtis Chapman CD, which was, it was the great adventure one. And, um, you know, the saddle up your horses, you know, type of songs. And I'm listening to that and reading my picture Bible. And so like, I wanted to go back to church. And so like a few months later, I went back to church with my mom and, uh, cause like life got in the way and I got distracted, but went to church and on a Sunday night, man, the conviction of God, and here was another touch from the Holy Spirit. The conviction of God just exploded in my heart, oh. drew me to the altar. Roxanne and her husband uh, was there for my mom when she gave her life to Jesus and was there for me when I knelt at an old altar in the Church of God. Mm. Ended up giving my life to Jesus, and uh, man, my life has never been the same since. It's just been amazing. Yeah, so that's like a that's a, a, a kind of a long story short, you know. <laughs> yeah. Cliff note version of it of it. The now, cliff now note, how old yeah, again so were you when you got saved? I, I, I knelt at the altar at eleven years old. My eleven years my old. Okay. But it seems like yeah, you had a call, yeah. definitely a call on your life, even even at that age, because you had a, a real interest, a real desire to know more about God. Man, I wanted to know so much. Was it much after that time that you basically were filled with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, um, it, it was shortly after that, man. Because I mean, we were, it was a Pentecostal church. It was a Pentecostal church, and I remember when I did give my life to Jesus. It was like I, I experienced that liberty and peace from the Holy Spirit uh, that Wednesday night, and then I really embraced that liberty and freedom that Sunday night. Um, that Sunday night, they had a play, a church play for Christmas, and so. Uh, you know, they did an auto call and I gave my life but, to Jesus. But like then after that, like I wasn't too sure about the whole Pentecostal scene, right. you know, so to speak, or the charismatic scene. So Sunday mornings were safe in our eyes, me and my brother's eyes. Okay. Sunday nights were when God, it seemed like God just exploded and, and, and Holy Ghost just showed up strong and, 
you know, and I say this respectfully, but I mean, you know, that, yeah, the old saints dance, you know, old saint ladies dancing out of their buns and men running around the church. And I mean, God moved mightily. And I say that respectfully. I love that type of move of God. And, and um, it's just how God, God showed off externally of what he was doing internally in these people. And it kind of scared us at first, you know, me and my brother. So we kind of stayed away from that for a little while. But it wasn't too long. It wasn't too long after I knelt uh, and embraced liberty and peace, and really submitted to that conviction. It wasn't long after that that uh, I was there on a Sunday night. I believe it was a Sunday night. Actually, it was it was a prayer night. It was a Monday night prayer night. That's when we had church Sunday, Sunday night, Mondays and Wednesdays. You know, and it was a Monday night prayer night, and uh, we were praying at the altar. And one of the guys came up to me that I kind of was scared of because of like how he would manifest. But he came up to me laid his hands on me. I fall out in the presence of God. There the altar, I just laid there glued to the floor. Like I could not move Kevin. And, um, like, I, and, and I, every time I would try to get up off the floor, it, it was like, it was like gravity was like just pulling me down, but it was the weightiness of God's glory. And, um, and, and, and even then he was purifying and cleansing some things in me. And, and, uh, and, and I just remember the, the liberty, the peace, the joy. And then so Steve, man, he's, he's on the floor now on his face. He comes over to me. It's the guy that prayed for me. And he just lays his hands on me and said, like, more God, more God, more God. And, uh, I mean, it, it just, then just the evidence of speaking in tongues, you know, there's the infilling and the evidence with speaking in tongues, that baptism of the Holy Spirit just came out, you know, and, um, I'm telling you what, man, like my life, you know, of course shifted drastically when I gave my life to Jesus. But then when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of that, you know, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, man, um, that right there, um, just, there was an empowerment, there was a courage, there was this peace, there was this aggression, you know what I mean? Like a good, holy aggression. Um, it seemed like it, it, there was a completely different change when there was that infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, a courage, a peace, a joy, uh, from the Holy Ghost, man, that was just amazing. And, and then just a whole new level of sensitivity, like to conviction and just wanting to walk righteous and walk holy, as well as just this power to do it, like this empowerment to walk that holy life. But then also like, cause I love that about Holy Spirit, he'll convict us, but then empower us to be able to successfully walk out those convictions. And that's what I encountered. That's what I experienced you know, days and months and years after that, that first initial infilling and baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and if I could just briefly rewind, um, uh, when I felt the call into ministry, it was before that encounter, you know, at, at the prayer meeting on a Monday night, an evangelist came, he prayed for me, and I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit in a way that I didn't at the time have a language for. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, I started to cry. I jumped in my mom's arms. Mom, I'm scared. What's going on? Uh, but what the evangelist had said was, you have a call of God on your life. It's powerful, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're going to discover it with God. Right. And the next day after that encounter with the, with the prophetic and that encounter with Holy Spirit, 
um, I felt this absolute desire to preach the gospel, which we can talk about then, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, that's what motivated and pushed me into what I now do is preach the gospel. Um, but, but so I had those touches of the Holy Spirit, but the real true infilling in the, in the, 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 the evidence of speaking in tongues came at an old Monday night prayer meeting in the church of God out in the country, man. Mm. And old Steve that I was afraid of was the one who embraced me, prayed for me. And, and, uh, yeah, like I said already, my life was changed, man, forever. Well, the neat thing about this and, and anybody that's listening is young. You were young at this time. I mean, you, you were I got saved at 11. So this was all yeah. almost preteen stuff. I mean, it was. So, you yeah. know, people that are listening that are preteens or teens and says, well, God can't t- tell me what I'm going to be doing or he's not going to share or like <laughs> I, I, that just throws that picture out, out the window because you were you were saying that you had the vision or and the unction to preach. Yeah. Even at, at a preteen age. Um, speaking of that, you yeah. you started actually one of your first messages that you pr- preach at a, a youth event. You were 15 years old. I did. Tell us a little bit about that. I was 15 years old. 15, yeah. So um, at the age of 12 is when I, I, I had that, that brush with the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. uh, and the prophetic. And I just had an absolute desire to speak. The pastor at the time, um, uh, when I felt this call to preach, I thought if you wanted to preach, you had the pastor. Like right. I didn't think of evangelists and missionaries. And so I was like, I'm a pastor. So one day my, my mom, she was like, man, you should just go and talk to the pastor. Uh, who was the pastor of the church of God at the time mm-hmm. and just tell him your heart. Maybe he'll put you under his wing and speak into your life and encourage you. And I was like, okay. So the hot, like July day, my mom got the car, get in the car filled with the AC, the, the glory air, you know? <laughs> and I go in like after church to like, I go back into the church to tell the, the pastor, like kind of like what I felt and, 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 and just see what he would say. And my mom kind of really encouraged me. I'm like, man, I'm going to get like a spiritual papa, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and like, I needed that in my life because my dad walked out of my life um, when I was like a young kid. So like I grew up without a dad. And so I was just really pumped, really excited, really encouraged. Thought he would think it's like the best thing ever. Long story short, I get up there, I tell him what I feel, and he looks at me with this very uh, aggressive, uh, kind of like what I now call like a burnout face, a tired face, an angry face. And uh, he goes, he's like, I don't think you should pursue that. He says, if I could give you any advice, I would tell you to run. Do not accept the call to pastor. Don't accept the call to preach. He says, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't be your pastor. He says, it's just too much work. It's too exhausting. And the people are too hard to manage. You know, something like that. Right. And he's like, so he's like, so that's my advice. Don't do it. So like I walked away, just bummed. So right. that was like at 12, that's like 12 years old. Right. But wow. God so protected me and, and protected that thing that he was calling me to. But, but from the age of 12 to the age of 15, he was really grooming me, you know, mm-hmm. maturing me. Uh, um, and, and so 
uh, you know, from the age of 12 to 15, I was known as the quiet kid in the youth group. Uh, I was pursuing God, but not pursuing the calling, which now I know is very important, you know, and I'll tell the listeners, it's important to pursue God, not your calling, find your identity in God and what Holy Spirit right. whispers to you and what the word and what the word says, you know, don't pursue a calling and find your identity and what people say about what you do, you know, become who God says you can be, man. That's the number one important thing. And so from the age of 12 to 15, I was really stepping into maturity, really stepping into some growth and, and whatnot. And so, um, we had a new pastor. He knew I had a, a calling of God in my life. And, um, and we had just started coming back to this church because the previous pastor did some things that really hurt a lot of people. We step out, we're stepping back in, uh, to this church. And this pastor comes to me one day, knowing I have a call of God in my life. And he says, listen, we've done these youth services on Sunday nights. Um, and I know you're probably not used to it because you haven't been here for a while. He says, but we do a youth service. It's all youth led. You're a part of the youth group. I know you have a call of God in your life. Like, why don't you preach our service? And would you be the one to preach? And, and Kevin, I just instantly was like, yes. And I think what motivated my yes was a week before he asked me to speak, um, I was in my mom's apartment and we were in, I was in the living room. I was all by myself because I was homeschooled mm-hmm. and I'm praying and the, I encounter the presence of God. Like I, wow. I, I was in you know church. I was experiencing in my living room and it was like God walked in the room, you know, and I had this several hour encounter with God. And out of that, I wrote what I heard and it all had a common theme, okay. right? So I was like, when it, so fast forward, well, then the pastor asked me to preach. He said, Ryan, he said, would you preach? I said, yeah. And instantly I freak out. Like, why did I say yes? <laughs> and, and, and cause it's like going to be two weeks after he asked me. So it was like going to be like quick. Right. I'm like, what am I going to preach? Like, I don't even know what it looks like to like prepare a message. And the Lord, I felt like it was the Lord and I knew it was the Lord. He spoke to me. He's like, Ryan, you already, and you already had an encounter for that. And let me just say this real quick, a little side note, mm-hmm. um, is, is God will, like God knows what harvest we need in the future. Right. So he'll plant the seeds in our present because he knows what harvest we need. So he'll plant mm-hmm. the appropriate seeds now for later. And so I'm having this encounter with Jesus a week before I'm asked to preach. Okay. He planted a seed. I thought it was just a journal entry. Right. But he knew what harvest I would need. He knew I needed a sermon mm. to go along with my agreement to preach. Mm. So I had this encounter and it just ministered to me. And that was very important. Right. Mm. But it was also like, it was a seed like, Hey, you have a sermon. You're okay. It's going to be okay. So God was like, why don't you just preach out of your encounter? Mm. Why don't you just preach what you received in your encounter? And so he planted the seed in that encounter, and then the harvest was what I preached a few weeks later, right? Mm-hmm. So God's so good. So so I said, yeah, and um, I want to just speed this up. Now, I, I said, yeah, and I was like, okay. And so a couple weeks later, like, I mean, I, I was in the skits. I was in the choir. Like, I was doing all this, those things, right? And um, and and so now, like, I had to get off the stage, go to the room off to the side of the sanctuary, which was the pastor's office, take my choir robe off, 
put on my suit jacket and I am terrified at this moment, Kevin. <laughs> I am sweating. I'm like, I don't want to do this. When I walked out of the pastor's office, instead of going to the doors to the sanctuary, I wanted to go to the doors that led outside. Right. You know what I mean? And just jump in the car and refuse to get up on stage. I went in. I And it was funny because I thought like coming to that service that things would be fine. Like, you know, it's a small service anyways. Like there's not going to be a lot of people here. Maybe 10 people tops. It's a Sunday night. We broke church record attendance that night because everyone wanted to hear the quiet kid who they knew had a call of God <laughs> in their life. They wanted to hear him preach, right? Wow. But I had aunts and uncles and my mom and my, my, my dad was actually there, which praise God and, and, and grandmas and just all these people were here and people from the community, old youth leaders, new youth leaders. And so I'm terrified because it's a packed house. I get up there and of course my pastor at the time picked one of my old youth leaders who was bawling her eyes out because, oh my gosh, our students up there on stage getting ready to preach. And, and she's bawling her eyes out. She, he's like, hey, Amanda, the one that was bawling, why don't you be the one to pray for Ryan? And I'm like, are you serious? And like all these sniffles are in the room and like my family's crying. I'm like, I'm terrified. I feel like crying. And I stand behind the pulpit once the mic was handed to me. And my thoughts were I was going to read the scriptures, read like a book, my notes and sit down. Right. When I got done reading my scripture, Right, because I thought I had my plan and God was going to honor it. Uh, <laughs> he, but because you know we live like that sometimes. Um, here's my perfect plan, God. Right. So I, I read the scripture and I prayed because that's what you do. You pray next, and so I prayed, and all of a sudden, the the power of God that I've been experiencing, the presence of God, just bubbled up and came out of my mouth like a volcano. And for an hour and I believe a half, okay, I preached, I prayed, I did everything that I didn't think I was going to do. And so, you know, um, so yeah, I preached my first message. People got saved that night, rededicated their lives to the Lord. I mean, the, the altars were filled. I mean, the presence of God was like crazy in that place. And, um, and, and, and so, yeah, so I preached my first message at 15 at a youth conference, terrified of a youth service. I was terrified, honestly terrified. I thought I was going to die. Um, <laughs> but at the end of it, I'm like, this is amazing. Oh my gosh. And I remember uh, leaving that day saying, I'm called to this. And honestly, I've been preaching the gospel ever since now. Um, from the age of 15 to 17, we had some bumps in the road. You know, I got girlfriends, all that kind of crazy stuff happened. I had to get refocused and recentered. Not everything was perfect, right? Because, you know, as God was pursuing and drawing me into him, the enemy was trying to pull me away from God's arms, you know? And at times it looked like he had, uh, the enemy had the upper hand and it seemed like the enemy was winning. But the pursuit I experienced in my past was the pursuit I experienced presently, even in my rebellion when I was younger, and God would always bring me back. God would always bring me back. And um, at the age of 17, 18 is when I really got absolutely, again, crazy serious. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, but, uh, so we had some bumps in the story that we could talk about later, some bumps in the story, mm-hmm. but you know, cause I don't want to paint a picture that everything was perfect. Right. right. But, but that love that, I, that love that I embraced 
uh, at the altar at the age of 11 was the love that always took me back after my rebellious splurge, you know what I mean? And uh, it was that love and that fire and the pursuit and the presence of Holy Spirit and God and Jesus that really centered me, got my attention, uh, kind of like Moses, you know, when God knew he had his attention, he drew him in. Right. right. And so I went through the burning book, through the burning bush. And so for me, God finally like really woke me up at the age of 17 and 18 again and really focused, like centered me. Like he got my attention mm-hmm. fully in the fear of God and all of that just really solidified me rooting in and not, falling back into behaviors that I was falling into from the age of 15 to 17, you know? And, uh, from that point on, um, you know, we've just been growing. Uh, I've been growing from glory to glory, you know, maturity level to maturity level, you know, so Jesus grew in wisdom, maturity and favor with God and man. And it seems like that's the story of my life. Right. But really that I feel like that journey started fully, it was started, you know, when I gave my life to Jesus at the age of 11 to 15, some bumps in the road, but then it fully, like, game was on, started again at the age of 17, and honestly, I haven't looked back, my friend, so wow. it's good. That's good. That is definitely yeah. uh, good to hear those kind of stories. Where God yeah. sees you through, he gives you a, a mission, and he sees you through to the end. Now, you're not at the end yet. <laughs> you still got a way not to go. All. Not at all. <laughs> but you were saying it yeah. basically at eight years, kind of we're talking about 18 years old. Now, from 18 to the time you actually started uh, working for a, your home church, you did some traveling, yeah. or was it after the church? When was the traveling time in your life that you did some um, domestic traveling? Yeah, I spoke locally some from the age of like, you know, 15 to 18. Oh, okay. Um, at the age, at the kind of locally, it never was like too far out. Like I, I did go down to like Maryland because um, there's a guy who was there that Sunday night um, who earned um, what at the time was called the Abbottstown Miracle Deliverance Camp. Okay. And there's this big, huge pole building looking type of church, tabernacle, had two sanctuaries and a fellowship hall. And he would hold services there uh, over the weekend, uh, like once a month or every other week. And um, so when he hears me preach, he's like, oh, my gosh, I need to utilize this young man. And I had been going to his services at that that campground. So he invited me to preach, and I would preach some. One time he invited, uh, you know, um, uh, an awesome black gospel worship team to come up and from Maryland uh, to sing. And then he wanted to have like a B3 Oregon kind of TD Jake style service okay. uh, while I preached, you know? So the pastor, the bishop played while I preached. Well, they fell in love with me and invited me to come down to Maryland to preach at their church. So I did some of that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, so I did go down and preach and it was a big deal for me. I'm like, I'm going out of the state of Pennsylvania to preach, <laughs> you know? Um, but it was like at the age of 17, 18 was when like, I, I, I pushed away from the church of God scene. Right. And, uh, cause like I was going through their courses, I was going to be licensed and ordained in the church of God. And I felt like God was calling me out of that place. Very political, right. very uh, legalistic. And felt like God wanted me to push from that table. Uh, not the church of God so much as just the church. Right. And so um, so I stepped out of the church of God and actually ended up at Harvest Chapel. Uh, and, um, I, I remember going there on a Wednesday night and, uh, was 
like fed, like that 40 minute Bible study fed me so well. And so when I pushed away from the table, cause I thought it was legalistic and religious, I really realized I was starving. There was nothing at the table. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and so, um, because the church that I was, I grew up in had a very strong evangelistic pool, a very good salvation message, but nothing of depth. So when I went to Harvest, there was depth. That Wednesday night, I asked the pastor, who became my spiritual father, um, like, hey, do you want to do lunch? He's like, well, I do breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You pick, we'll hang out. So that Friday, we ended up doing pizza um, at the church, and um, I started making Harvest Chapel my home. A few months later, he started a mentoring class, and I was one of two and then three mentor students that he really raised up. And so that father that I was looking for in the first pastor, uh, I didn't find until uh, Pastor Don, you know what I mean? And he really took me under his wing, really poured into me, um, became like an earthly father that I never had, but also a spiritual father that I always wanted. And, um, so then we grew, I grew up being groomed. And so then the preaching started to get larger, you know what I mean? Uh, where I would travel a little bit, but then, um, but I would do, I still did a lot of like local stuff, a lot of stuff at Harvest. Uh, and I felt like it was just a process. God was growing me and maturing me and getting me ready uh, for what I'm doing now. And then uh, that's where I became the youth pastor uh, eventually, uh, as well as uh, the, the, the full-time youth pastor, as well as I uh, went on to be the, the full-time community pastor uh, until God called me out of pastoring and into full-time itinerant, like evangelism missions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. So you were there, how long were you at Harvest Chapel for? I mean, uh, I was at Harvest Chapel for about 13 years. Thir- wow. Yeah. 13 years. Yeah. It was a, it was a long time and, and, and absolutely loved it. I mean, it, it poured so much uh, into me. Uh, we made some, me and my wife made some major transitional moves mm-hmm. uh, in uh, 2018 uh, one of those moves, one of those transitional moments was where we would attend church. You know what I mean? Nothing. And, and, and it's all good. It was, it was a good, smooth transition. It's not like a bad, horrible thing. Uh, so so we're now rooted in a, a different church, a different location. But I really believe that this church is really stewarding us in where we are and where we're going um, but man, still have a phenomenal relationship with, uh, the people at Harvest cause they're great people. Uh, but yeah, for 13 years total. Yeah. Wow. 13 years. Now you said in 2018, you basically stepped down from your positions at that church and you started yeah. Wake Ministries. Um, but you also yeah. mentioned your wife. So let's talk a little bit about that. You were married in like 2015. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. Tell our audience. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, growing up in the uh, harvest, man, uh, literally, um, you know, and then being involved in youth ministry and stuff, it was so fun. Uh, so for for several years, I was a part of the youth group at Harvest Chapel, just as a youth leader, mm-hmm. and uh, just volunteered my time, enjoyed it. And it was funny because Kirsten was actually um, uh, one of the youth that would come to youth. Now, for the listeners, don't freak out. I was a very young youth leader and she was a very old, old like an older youth. Now okay. that's not where the romance began. That's not where the romance right. began. Okay. But, but I did date my youth member. Uh, but, but, <laughs> but, um, 
but I, I met her there. And so, um, you know, growing up at Harvest, her mom ended up starting to do like the worship and became like the worship director. So Kirsty and her family were, was there a lot. So I, I got to know her and, know, and knew her for like seven years, you know, uh, before anything became romantic because she was just Kirsty. But the other reason it didn't become romantic was because uh, part of my, uh, like a major bump in my life, a major uh, uh, challenge, a major uh, a hard place in my life was um, um, when I was at Harvest, I actually dated and married uh, my ex-wife, my, my son's mom. And, uh, for, and, and so for a few years uh, of our dating relationship, me and our crystals, and then of um, some of our engagement and marriage, uh, Kirsty was there, you know, it was just Kirsty, you know? Uh, and, and so it was nothing romantic ever. Cause like I was already focused on something else. And so right. long story short, uh, long story short, uh, my, my ex-wife, uh, man, just fell in a real dark place in 2013 and, uh, made a decision. Uh, here's a little curveball, but it's a good story because God's so good. Um, she fell into a place of straight, like deception and, and just a lot of darkness and, um, you know, we had not even been married for two years and we had just bought a house. I stepped in as a full-time youth pastor, uh, a few months prior to this. And she was about ready to graduate nursing and, and, and become an RN and we, man, everything looked like it was on the up and up. And then that was when, uh, we actually, uh, I came home on a Wednesday night and that Wednesday night changed my life forever. There was a big pack, long story short, um, she fell into a lot of deception, uh, lived a lifestyle, uh, that, um, you, you know, you, you should never live, but definitely not when you're married. Right. Uh, and so after a very long battle, uh, we, um, we, we, you know, ended in divorce, you know, um, and, um, you know, I fought for that thing, man, you know, but she, she was just deceived, had a lot, a lot of stuff going on in her life, went and, and, and did some stuff that she shouldn't have. And, and, uh, one thing led to another and then it ended up eventually in divorce. Uh, but, um, after that, uh, I, I was like, man, God, I am not here, like focused on anything, but like you, Jesus, my son, uh, and my youth group. Cause now I'm the youth pastor full time still. And, the youth group has grown and I love my youth group and man, I'm so glad I had a spiritual father to walk me through that hard time. And, you know, Todd White and other people really helped okay. me walk through that hard time to praise God. Uh, so, you know, so I was like, I'll just, I have great family. I've got great friends. I've got a great job. I love my youth. My son's amazing. I'll just be a Paul and I'll have Timothy's right. Well, Kirsty had walked back into the church and it's like she walked back into my life, right? And she was always just Kirsty, right? right. Uh, she was just always Kirsted. Uh, and now this was way after everything, all, all that mess that I briefly explained. Uh, and uh, so, like, so she, you know, usually it was like, hey, what's up, girl? And it ended up going from that, like, what's up to like, hey, like, who are you? You know what I mean? And so uh, she was definitely part of God's redemption. And it's like, I tried to tell God what I was going to do and God had a different story. And, um, and he showed up, he showed off, brought me through all of that mess. Uh, my ex is in a great place now. I'm in a great place now. Now Kirsty walks into my life and I'm like, well, hello there. You know what I mean? And, uh, and at first I freaked out thinking, oh my gosh, is this wrong that I like her? 
And uh, after some counseling, some conversation, uh, and some prayers and some prophetic confirmations and stuff, man, I knew it was fine. And uh, so we got married in April of 2015. Uh, after uh, you know a crazy season in my life and whatnot, and uh, we ended up uh, yes, yeah, saying our I do's in April 2015, and then uh, this April will be five years already. It's crazy. So I love her so much. Yes, that yeah, is so, cool. So she's very special to me. She's part of God's redemption, and she's got part of God's restitution and restoration. You know. Hmm. Now that it's 2020 already. What do you see God doing in yeah. your life, in your wife's life? What do you see God doing? God is God is really, first of all, just just sharpening us and really just uh, taking us through through processes where at the end the progress is more maturity and uh, just uh, just refining us and reforming us and all that kind of good stuff. I mean, that's where we are and that's where we where we're going. It's just really God's expanding us and growing us and maturing us. Um, and, and, but I also believe that, you know, God's doing things in us now so that our future benefits from what God's done from, you know, to us, you know, you know to us and in us and through us. Um, you know, like I said earlier, God plans to seeds now because he knows what harvest we need later. And so right now, currently God is growing us and maturing us and, and uh, that's always a fun but challenging process. Uh, but I believe it's for us to have a better marriage in the future. Uh, and, you know, we have a great marriage now, but a better future, uh, marriage uh, and, and, and a better family type of culture and atmosphere. Uh, but also, um, God, God really expanded our hearts. She's always been a person for mission. I've always been about evangelism, waking the body of Christ up. Like, I love going on the streets, seeing the, sa- the sinner get saved, but I also like going... And, uh, you know, um, I also like, you know, evangelizing the bride and shaking them up and waking them up. And, and, and so I, but, but this season, the Lord's really grown my heart to not just have a passion for evangelism in that way, but also mission work. And, and so there's been like a merge of that, you know, in, in, in my heart of an itinerant speaker, conference speaker, revivalist, meet with leaders, level men to roll my, my uh, sleeves up and, going into the trenches and praying for people, getting people saved on the mission field, building things, loving on people in other third world countries. So that, that there's been a major merge, you know, which is really cool. And uh, so where I see us going is uh, to the nations, man, spreading revival fire uh, and waking um, the body of Christ up, making an impact in nations, equipping and, 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 and empowering people to rise up and go and do the things of, of ministry, but also just to walk out sonship, but also do that on the mission field, man. Right. Uh, just recently in, recently in Brazil, and man, I could tell some stories from that experience. I uh, was in Mexico last year, going back this year. So, so yeah, so I see us doing a lot of that itinerant, but also now merged with the mission side of things as well. Um, and, uh, really excited about that, man. Uh, it's going to be, it, it has been great and it's going to be great, you know? And I think that's why God's really maturing us and making us stronger because he knows what harvest mm-hmm. we need in our future. Cause he knows where we're, he knows where he's sending us in the future. 
know. Right. So, well, out of the fivefold yeah. ministry, you know, the per, you know, different things, prophetic, evangelist, pastors. Yeah. It seems like you have you have a few of them on your on your mantle on your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> You've been a pastor. Yeah. You're you're definitely an evangelist. Let's talk a little bit about your prophetic side. Now, would you consider yourself a prophet or just a prophetic person? How would you classify? I, I, I believe I believe this because for the longest time, like I knew who I was in Christ, but I didn't know who I was in ministry. You right. know, because I love the pastor. I love I love the apostolic scene. I, I love the prophetic. I love teaching. I love preaching. All that good stuff. And it wasn't until I met with the prophet, uh, a man of God, who, who I sat down with him. We were just talking without me saying anything. He says, "Ryan." He says, I just want you to just take ownership of who you are. And I was like, well, that's the thing. Like, I live on him in Christ, but in ministry, like, what am I called to? Like, what should I mainly focus on? Because I right. love doing all of this. He says, Ryan, he says, you're a five-fold evangelist. Right. And 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 I'm like, whoa. So 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 I don't believe, I don't say I, I house the office as a prophet, of, of a prophet. What I believe is, is I'm that five-fold evangelist with a very strong uh, prophetic gift, even though I believe we all are called to prophesy. So I believe I don't house, because like, I've been around people, you know, I, I love and honor you know, um, your pastor, Pastor Charlie and others who are true uh, apostles but like true prophets, like they, they sit like in the office of a prophet and I'm like, you know, no I'm, I, no, no, I don't sit there you know what I mean? But I do believe I, 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 I have a very strong prophetic gifting but it's just in the midst, uh, in the midst of um, that fivefold uh, evangelistic kind of calling, you know. Um, and so, so yeah, I would I would say more strong gift in the prophetic, but I don't say I hold the office of a prophet. Use what the gift that God needs at the moment in front of the person that you're in front of. Um, it's it's prophecy, it's it. evangelism. Um, but dealing yes. with prophetic from one prophetic person to another, I always say we're not prophetic, we're prophetic. Prophetic. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> not <laughs> prophetic, yeah. <laughs> How yeah. long, now you did mention in your story a little bit about, you did mention word prophetic a little bit back when you were 11, 12, yeah. 15 years old. But when did you really know or understand that God was speaking to you and that he was giving you insight, mm. prophetic words for people was it at that first message at 15 years old or was it before that? I, I mean, I definitely was hearing God's voice at that time um, and not realizing it. Um, and yeah, I think there was elements of where it was prophetic. But again, I wasn't really understanding that because it wasn't really taught, taught, uh, yeah. taught or talked, talked about as well at the church that I was in. But when I went to Harvest Chapel, um, you know, when I was in the mentoring class specifically, I was really spurred on to hear God's voice. And, 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 and as I hungered to hear God's voice, I started to realize I was and I, and I am hearing God's voice. Mm -hmm. Pastor Don would say, hey, what are you hearing from God? Like every mentoring class, and we did these every week, like, what are you hearing from God? And I would really never have anything. And it would just aggravate me. And I would be like, man, this person had something. This person's had something. Look at the revelation Pastor Don has. And he's heard this from you, God. That really spurred me on to seek after that, and not prophetic, just to hear God's voice. Right. And it was actually at a uh, conference that Harvest hosted, where they did a prophetic workshop and hearing God's voice, where I heard heard prophetically with confirmation. I believe for the first time that I could acknowledge, and I was probably nineteen years old, twenty years old, mm -hmm. when I fully was really acknowledging it. You know, 
Um, and then from there, I remember sitting in a service one day, real quick story. There's a person beside me, the Lord's like, I want you to tell them I'm paying the bills and to expect unexpected checks in the mail and it's going to cover things for them. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's God. Is that God? Because <laughs> I'm still learning. And I'm sitting there and the conviction of God, Kevin, came over me and God's pushing me out of my seat to go over there to say that. Go over, I say, listen, I could be wrong, but this is what I believe I'm hearing from God. And I think that's good for anyone. I think we always should say, I believe I'm hearing this from God. I'm like, pray about it, go after it, see what happens. And I prophesy an unexpected check in now. God wants to cover your bills, blah, 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 blah. Well, next, the following Wednesday, they come up to me leaping, dancing, and freaking out. I'm like, what's going on? It's an older couple. They're like, you prophesied this. And they said within, it's like the next day, and, and then like, like within the next week, they said, um, we got these unexpected checks in the mail, like from social security and from this place and from this place. And like, you didn't realize that like, we were in a really bad place financially, but God knew and he used you and oh my gosh. And like, it was a crazy cool, like experience. So like I broke it that night in a good way. I'm like, I did hear from God. Yeah. you know, and, and so God, God was grooming me and he's still grooming me in the prophetic, you know, but yeah, I was probably 18, uh, I'm sorry, nineteen twenty when that, when that started happening. Yeah. I definitely could relate to that. I remember the first time I had a prophetic dream. My, I was up in Massachusetts, Wellesley, Mass, and I had a dream that the pastor wasn't going to be there, so I was going to end up preaching. I mean, this was 18. I just got saved maybe a year before that, so it wasn't that long. And I went to church, and I was talking to this lady, and she goes, well, looks like Pastor Ted's not going to be here today, Kev. Looks like you're going to have to preach. <laughs> and I go, wow. And that was the first time I have... Until that time, I never even heard of prophetic dreams or prophetic words or anything like that. And I sure. actually did end up preaching, and it was about relationship uh, between us and God and Amen. us and other people. That was my first message. And, um, and prophetically today, I, so you know, we run along the same paths. You know, I've prayed for people, and people yeah. look like me and says, you don't know this, but last night I was praying to God, and that's exactly what I said to him. And it just freaks me. Come on, dude. Yeah, it, it just uh, sometimes we're amazed that like wow I can actually hear from God because I've I've prophesied over Come people on. you're going to Russia you're going to here you go get ready get your passport ready yeah. next thing you know they say hey yeah. I got my passport ready because I'm going to Russia I'm going there you know it's like Come on yeah well and see for me like whenever things were being confirmed you know it's like okay I was acknowledging I was hearing God but then it started and you probably for you the same way. I would look back then, and I still do this from time to time, and, and really realize, oh my gosh, I was hearing from God earlier than I realized. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I mean, I was, I was at the age of eleven and through conviction, and it led me to an altar. But even more than that, like my encounter with God in the room, and uh, use that sermon, use that as a sermon. You know, mm -hmm. it, it was like I was hearing from God. I just didn't acknowledge it because it wasn't talked or talked about, right. you know, but as I, when I got into an environment where it was talked and talked about, um, it really, uh, stirred it in me mm -hmm. to pursue it and, uh, to really walk in it. Yeah. Well, I was thinking prophetic, uh, in, in someone's life is just not a day. I mean, a daily or, you know, once in a while type of thing. It, it's a lifestyle prophetic people. It's a, yeah. it's a lifestyle. I always tell people, Everything yeah. I do 
is prophetic. Now, it doesn't mean I have to say, okay, God, what kind of pair of pants do I need to wear today? <laughs> God doesn't care what kind of sure, pants or, yeah. or what kind of shirt you're going to wear. He doesn't care. But if you're walking uh-huh. down the street and God, you, you're open to hearing God's voice and he says, hey, I want you to go over there and pray for that person. Or I just want you to go and say, hey, I hope you're having a great day. Encourage the person yeah. that we are living Absolutely. a prophetic daily lifestyle. And, and, and that way so, yeah. we can change people. And it doesn't have to be this big thing. It could be a little thing. A smile to somebody walking down the street that's having a bad day can mean the world to them. So, so if we're living Absolutely. a prophetic lifestyle, we can change the world. Yeah. And that's like, I love it. Like our Absolutely. stories that we tell, encouraging the world one story at a time. So one story at a time is so good. I love that. So let, let's just kind of wrapping up here. We got a little bit more time, but not a sure. lot. Um, being a prophetic man or in a dealing on the prophet gift, what do you see God is saying yeah. today um, for mankind right now? What's going on in the, you know, uh, in the world? What do you see? Yeah, what do you really see God is kind of doing? That's a loaded question. I know it is. And uh, I, knew, I, I knew this one was coming. And so God, God in his grace narrowed it down to, to two specific things that I can uh, uh, release right now okay. for time. Uh, but to sum it up, I would say, I really believe this is a season of alignment. Um, you know, Romans eight fourteen says, uh, for all who are led by the spirit, um, you know, these are the sons of God, you know, these are God's sons and, um, you know, sons, daughters, whatever. And, um, the thing that the Lord's been showing me is those who truly live a life led by the spirit are ones who live in alignment. And so that's why I love the prophetic. The prophetic really reveals realms and realities that God wants our souls to be translated to. And then it's our soul that motivates us. And then it's the spirit of God that motivates us to pursue that thing. And then God lays the foundation for us to walk on. But we pursue what's already a reality to our soul, but might not be a reality in our life fully. God wants us to pursue it until it becomes a reality mm-hmm. until that particular area in our life that was exposed by Holy spirit revealing that realm and that reality, that area in our life that is exposed, that's out of alignment. We pursue until it becomes like we pursue the spirit and the word of the spirit um, until that area in our life is fully aligned with God. And, and part of what I believe that looks like is when we pursue God and we're like, okay, my soul's there, but I want my life in this area to come into alignment and be there as well. I want that to become my reality. When we ask that, like some of this will happen miraculously. God will just bring it. God will bring the alignment. But sometimes when we pursue it, the Holy Spirit will give us strategies and then conviction that motivates us to implement those strategies so that we can bring those areas in our life into alignment with what the spirit is saying. Um, but, and that's what I love about the prophetic. And if I can just say this briefly, I really believe for those who have been pursuing God and really pursuing certain things to line up, right. Their reality with God's word or God's word and their reality. What I see happening in this season is I really believe that we're about ready, just like Jesus transfigured before his disciple guys, I really believe we're about ready to see transformation in those areas that we've been pursuing and wanting like that transformation. It's like, God, I want to see this transfigured. I want to see this transformed. 
I really believe we're going to start seeing those things transform. And I want to encourage the person who's like, okay, my spirit, I'm sorry, my soul has been translated, so to speak, to the reality, the realm of what Holy Spirit spoke to me maybe years ago. Mm-hmm. And I've been still pursuing this and I've been implementing the strategies and I, I, I've experienced some of the miraculous, but maybe not all the miraculous. And I, that I want to see, like, I want to encourage that person, Galatians 6, 9, don't get weary well doing. You will reap. You will reap. Okay. So just keep being led by that spirit. And I feel like this is the season we're going to see those areas that are out of alignment come into alignment. I believe even in our nation, we're going to see divine alignment. And let me say this really quick. Uh, you're, you're asking a prophet died to, 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 to prophesy quickly. And it's hard, but I'm going to say this real quick. I really believe that not only are we going to see transformation in those areas where we've been believing God to see alignment, but I feel like the thing, it's like this. Mary heard sayings of Jesus, and it says she treasured them in her heart. Then she saw Jesus do things, and the acts of Christ caused her to treasure those things. It says that in Luke, the beginning of Luke. What was said of Jesus, she treasured. What Jesus did, she treasured. Or she pondered. Other translations says she pondered on these things. means treasured these things. I believe this is a season for the seeker to hear some of the, the, the most treasured things. Like there's revelation that's being released. And I really believe as you pursue that revelation to become your reality, there's going to be acts of Christ that you treasure, and you're going to step into some of your most treasured memories with the Lord. And I really believe this, right? When God spoke in Genesis, it was formed. And I really believe we're about ready to see transformation, but a forming of those things um, that God's promised us that we've been holding on to. It's like you heard the word and you treasured it. Now you're waiting to see the acts of Jesus to form it and make it a reality. And I really believe this is a season for those who have been holding on to a specific God-centered word. You've treasured it. You've honored it. You might feel like you're getting weary and you're like, man, should I keep pursuing this? You know, keep pursuing it because the reaping is going to be you seeing the formation of this thing to where now you treasure the moment and the memory of formation, not just the word that God spoke that translated your soul. And I really believe that this is a season, Kevin, that we are going to see the areas that God spoke into. We treasured the word, but now we're going to see the word reap itself, so to speak, in that area and form what that word promised in that particular area. And um, if I can give an example of that, it's like for me, um, I'm going back to Brazil in July, right? And my heart was like, God, I want to go there. And God said, go. And so I created a storehouse, so to speak, got the vessel in faith saying, God, I need finances to fill this thing, right? I need finances to motivate this thing and send me there. And long story short, he says, you'll have the money. And, and it's crazy, dude, because he, I treasured that word, but within two days, I saw that word form or manifest itself in three people. I now have three people wanting to pay for the same trip. Wow. Okay. So, so I just want to encourage now, now that it doesn't always happen that fast, but I want to encourage people that I believe this is a season of alignment, a season of formation. And I really believe the places that God spoke into and you treasured what he said, you're now going to treasure the memory 
when he manifests in that particular area of what he said. And it like when, when that, what he says starts to take form, you're going to be blown away and you're going to cherish that moment. Uh, and, and I really believe the body of Christ is going to come into some major treasured moments with the Lord this year. That is a definitely an awesome word. I think a lot of people need to hear that, and I'm glad that you said that. Well, it has come to the time that we all have to come to, the end of the show, and i like to thank my guest, Ryan. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it very me, much. Man. It was a joy. And we were doing this phone over, over interview over the phone, but you are going to be in Florida in March, so we are going to sit down and, am, yeah. and we're going to tell some of the stories that we didn't get involved with today. Today was more about a little bit about who yeah. Ryan was. And, um, but uh-huh. when you, we sit down face to face, we're going to talk about some of the places you've been and some of the miracles and things that you've seen God Let's do. do so we'll do that and we'll do a show and that will be sometime in March and it'll probably, probably early yeah. April that it will air. So, so again, thank you, Ryan, for being here and we'll talk you to you so soon. This has been a millennium beat LLC production copyright 2020 all rights reserved. Views and opinions of the guests are not always the views and opinions of the millennium beat LLC. If you need to know more about us, please give us a call at 407-624-9957. Find us on the web at www.themillenniumbeat.com. We also are located on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have a YouTube channel. If you have any interesting stories, please contact us by writing at stories at themillenniumbeat.com. Or give us a call at 407-624-9957. Leave a voicemail. We love to hear from you.